Welcome. The following message is from the pulpit ministry of the First Baptist Church of Festus Crystal City, Missouri. We welcome you to find out more about our church on our website at www.fbcfcc.org or check us out on our Facebook page at First Baptist Church, Festus Crystal City. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to uh, marry a couple in Louisiana. Uh, they were good friends from college. I remember talking to him on several occasions that he just couldn't understand Christianity. He, he just, it was just too complex for him. And I tried to explain to him, look, brother, Christianity is not complex. It's simple. It's loving God and, and loving people. But many times, people have a hard time separating fact from fiction, even in history and in our own country. Uh, many people... We were taught growing up as a child that George Washington cut down a cherry tree and he had wood teeth. Sorry to tell you folks, that's not true. It's often said that, talked about Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. He hated the name Davy. He despised it. He said, my name is David. Please call me David. Walt Disney was not cryogenically frozen in ice after he died. Uh, Einstein was not a bad math student. And no, Benjamin Franklin did not tie a key to a kite and get struck by lightning. He would not have survived. But here we have a passage this morning where Paul separates fact from fiction when it comes to our Christian faith. We talked about this passage last week, but I wanted to examine it again in light of a new, a new thought process here today. That what is Christianity? If you open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, verses 21, Philippians 1, 21, once again, Paul is writing to a church that he dearly loves, the church of Philippi, a church of believers that have encouraged him, that have sent thank you gifts, that are praying for him constantly. And even in the midst of this Roman prison and this captivity, Paul says, I continue to rejoice. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. One commentator says this is a text that cuts like a surgeon's scalpel to the heart of Christianity. What is Christianity? The, the question the the question perplexes and puzzles historians, sociologists, psychologists. It, per, it puzzles the person on the street, the homemaker, the college student. What is Christianity? Here it is put succinctly, very simply. Christianity is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. All that is rightly associated with Christianity finds its center of gravity in him. Christianity is this, Jesus, to follow Jesus, to obey Jesus. To obey his statutes, his commandments. Sometimes our loyalty to sports teams is greater than that of the Lord himself. We know more about the, the batting rotation or the offensive line or the defensive line for football teams, but we don't know our faith. We don't know the fundamentals of our doctrine. John R. W. Stott said this, The person and work of Christ are the foundation, the foundation rock upon which the Christian religion is built. Take Christ from Christianity and you disembowel it. There is practically nothing left. Christ is the center of Christianity. All, other, all else is nothing. But yet many people fall short. They confuse religion with a relationship. Many people have a false notion of what Christianity is. You see, we've created this world of casual Christianity, convenient Christianity, comfortable Christianity. What, what does that look like? It says this, it's on my terms at my convenience. 
I'll put my Christian hat on when I need to, when it's convenient for me, but I'll take it off when it doesn't fit my gender or my habits. Yes, there are those that live under false notions. They, they take statements as gospel. God helps those who help themselves. No, that's not true. We're nothing without God. We cannot help ourselves. Yes, God helps those who help themselves through his grace and to his love. Being a good person gets you into heaven. I wish that were true, my friends, but it's not. Many good people have gone to hell. It's about having Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I remember many years ago, almost 20 years ago, it was a, it was a Labor Day weekend. My pastor called me up and said, son, I need you to do me a favor. There's a man that died that, that used to go to our church many decades ago. He's at, the family's asking someone to preach his funeral. Would you please preach his funeral for me? I can't do it. I said, of course, sir, I'll do it. He said, have you ever actually preached a funeral by yourself? No, sir, but I'll give it a try. And I did. And he, he kind of walked me through the process. I'd seen it done before, but I never will forget going to, to meet that family at their house. And I walked through the door and realized these people are lost as geese. They, they were talking nonsense about the gospel. One guy says something effective. Yeah, the good Lord says if you're a good person and you try to do right, you get to heaven. Yes, sir, that's a guarantee. And I didn't mock them. I didn't pity them. My heart broke for them that they actually believed that. And I used that opportunity in that funeral and that time to minister to that family to share the good news of Jesus and what it really means to be a follower of Christ. You see, they were believing facts based on false information. In October of 1967, the Soviet Union sent a probe to Venus. And the data that it sent back said, wow, this is very livable. It's very comfortable. The temperatures are great. Shouldn't be a problem. We should be able to send people to the planet Venus. Well, as you know today, Venus is a very hellish place. You will literally melt. It melts lead. It will destroy you. It will suffocate you and kill you. So what happened? Well, the probe stopped sending information just 15 miles above the surface. So the Russians made a, made a fact based on false information. In the same way, thousands of well-meaning people stop receiving data when they're miles from the heart of Christianity. For many people, a knowledge of Christianity stops at contact with those who claim to be Christians. Mahatma Gandhi said, I almost became a Christian until I met one. And that's what the Arab nations don't understand about the United States. We claim to be a Christian nation, but they see the things that we do, the, the, the shows we watch, the, how we live our lives. It's perplexing to them. And yet, yet Paul understood this. He understood that Christianity is a person. And nothing about Christianity is going to be understood by this world. It's foolishness to the world. They don't get it. But Paul knows, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Now, earlier in his ministry, he wrote a letter to a church in Galatia, the Galatians. He writes that famous passage in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I, am no longer, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. My life in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That was the heart and soul of Paul's ministry. I serve the Lord at his discretion. I, I dedicate my life to him. I deny myself and I follow him. These two verses summarize who Paul is. You see, my friends, Christianity is three basic things. One, you have to have faith in Christ. Secondly, you have to have fellowship with Christ. And thirdly, you've got to follow Christ. When you say Christianity is Christ, you say that Christianity is faith in Christ. 
It is the acknowledgement that you could do nothing to save yourself, that you deserve hell from God rather than heaven, and that Christ has provided salvation for you by dying in your place. It is receiving the Lord Jesus as your Savior and as the Lord of your life. And that was the central piece of the book of Galatians. But what happened is, after Paul left and he loved this church, he spent time serving in this church. He spent time building this church. And when he left, some false prophets and some false teachers came in and unraveled everything that he had done. He had tried to get them to go back to the, the these false teachers had tried to come back in and get these folks to follow the Old Testament system. You have to come a, become a Jew first, then become a Christian. My friends, to be a Christian is not Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus, period. Anybody that tries to tell you there's Jesus plus something else, that's a cult. It's Jesus, period. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And my friends, that's what gives us hope. He had a righteous indignation against the people that came in and started this heresy. That's what he says in Galatians 1. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if, if there were an angel from heaven that should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be eternally condemned. As we already have said, so I say again, if anybody's preaching to you a gospel other than what we accepted, let them be eternally condemned. Paul wasn't playing around. If someone preaches a gospel that's contrary to Christ, it is dangerous. It's heretical. It causes damnation. But Paul asked the simple question, are you trusting in Christ as your Savior? Has there really ever been a moment in your life you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Do you have faith in relics and proper phrases and the sacraments of your church or in things that you can improve in your human character? Is there a difference in your life? You see, the first step of being a Christian is you've got to be a Christian. And so I asked this morning, are you a believer? Have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Secondly, it takes fellowship with Christ. How do we have fellowship with Christ? Well, you're doing it right now. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Like the old King James says, forsake not the assembling of the saints. Talked to a guy this week that was trying to share the gospel. And I asked him, I said, well, do you go to church anywhere? He said, no, I don't go to church anywhere. I'm, I'm good at church at home. Okay. That didn't make any sense at all. How can you be a Christian if you don't want to fellowship with a believer? How can you be a Christian if you don't spend time in prayer and preparation and spending time in God's word to see that what is Christianity? It basically means to become a Christian, to have fellowship with Jesus, spend time in God's word, praying, sharing the good news of Jesus, being prepared to give an answer. I told you Christianity is simple, yet we make it so stinking complex. And thirdly, it's following after Christ. I love the gospel of Mark. It's probably my favorite of all the gospels. And we see that familiar passage in Mark 1.16 where Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Simon, his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And at once, immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. That is what Christianity is, my friends. When you immediately leave the nets behind and you follow Jesus. Those nets represent... Sometimes our stability, our security, and perhaps even our sanity. People think that Christians are nuts. They do. Let them think it. 
I can be crazy in love for Jesus. I can handle it. But that's what they represent. Yes, we throw those nets away, our, our stability, our security, and our sanity. To become a Christian means you surrender it all. They left their nets at once to follow him. Jesus came to Mark 8, he said, Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for my sake, for the gospel, will save it. Peter said, we've left everything we have to follow you. What do you need to leave behind? What net do you need to leave? Because as Christians, you've got to leave the nets on the shore. You've got to leave behind. I love that story where Jesus met the woman at the well. What did she leave behind? She left her water pot behind. And went to the village and said, this man changed my life. He left it all behind. She left it all behind. Those nets represent our past our failures and our fears. Well, pastor, I've done this and I've done that. You know what? I have too. We've all been there. But thank God we're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. The fears and failures of our past are gone. They're buried in the deepest of seas, the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is the west, God's cast our sins. Those, those nets also represent our future. For God forgives. And being a Christian means you're on a journey of faith. A journey of faith. I love the Apostle Thomas, not because he has a, a great name. But I like him because he had guts. He said, let us go with this man that we may die with him. He accounted the cost. Is there a casual Christianity in your life? Are you being a convenient Christian? Or are you being a comfortable Christian? Do you have faith in Christ? Are you fellowshipping with him and other believers? And are you following after Christ? Are you leaving behind the stability, the security, the sanity? Are you leaving the failures and your fears behind as you follow Christ? Because Paul said to die is to gain. And that word in the Greek means profitable. To get something better. To get a better deal. There's also a word related to it in Greek, which means a small change. For what this world has to offer is small change compared to the kingdom of God. Following Christ will never disappoint you. And man, it always makes sense, but I promise you in the end, you will not be disappointed. What does it mean to be a Christian? To deny yourself. Take your cross and follow him. To follow, to be obedient. I've often wondered what the scene must have looked like in Galilee after Peter and Andrew and James and John left. Did Peter and Andrew have a sign over their fishing business that said, the Jonas Brothers Fishing Group? They were the son of Jonas, the first Jonas brother. Was the sign hanging down? Somebody walked by and said, hey, what happened to Peter and Andrew, James and John? They had the best fish in the world. Are they, are they out of business? No. A couple years ago, this, this teacher came through, this rabbi. You know that old boy that was born in Bethlehem, the illegitimate son of Mary and Joseph claimed he was born of a virgin. You know, that old boy that was, came from Nazareth, that old hick town, he came through here and convinced those guys to drop their nets and to follow him, and they did. Last I heard old Peter, he, he's preaching somewhere. Andrew is too. I think James is dead. John, all these guys, they're, they, they're different. They're out there doing something. They understood the cost. They understood what it was going to take to be blessed beyond all measure you think peter and andrew 
after they <laughs> after Pentecost. You think they ever want to go back to that old fishing business again? No. No, they were happy. They were good. Because they knew they were going to be fishers. Amen. What does it look like to be a Christian? When John Wesley came to America as a missionary, in his own words, he said, I came here and I wasn't even a Christian. You see, he was convinced that God had sent him to go preach the gospel to the heathen, to the Indians. And he said, well, God sent me to save the Indians, but who's going to save John Wesley? And while he was here in America, he fell in love with a married woman, a, a woman of a, that was married to a British nobleman. He, he fell deeply in love with her. He was confused. He knew that he wasn't saved, and yet he, he put, put up this great image. Yeah, I'm going to go share the good news of the Indians, but in his pride and his humility, he couldn't admit that he wasn't a believer. He fell in love with this married woman, but she recognized that, he had, that, that God had something on him, that God was going to use him. She said, John, I love you, but God has called you to do something for him. She said, you need to go back to England, go back to London, leave me alone. I love you, but this is not going to work. He never did anything with her, but he wanted to. And he got back on that ship. He said, three times, I went and came back, went and came back. He said, I got to London, and then one night I heard someone preaching out of the book of Galatians. He said, I don't know what happened, but in that moment, I realized I needed Jesus as my Savior. And in that moment, in his own words, he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt that I had indeed trusted Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and there was given to me an assurance that he had forgiven me of my sin. You know, you know John Wesley became one of the founders of the Methodist Church. His life radically changed. He completely surrendered. And his motto and his prayer became this, O oh Lord, never give me over to my heart's desires, nor let me follow my own imaginations. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, and all the ways you can, and all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people that you can, as long as you ever you can. God does nothing except in response to a believing prayer. John Wesley surrendered it all. Gave up his desires, what he wanted, turned to the Lord, and indeed spread the gospel to the heathen world. That is what Christianity is. Father, we love you. And we thank you for this day and for your multiple blessings, your unlimited blessings. And Lord, we thank you that you took us out of the fire. That you set us free with your love and your grace and your precious blood. Lord, I do pray for those here today that are confused. They don't really know if they're a Christian or not. And I pray in this moment, Lord, they would recognize their need of a Savior. That they would cry out in just a simple prayer, Lord Jesus, save me. I want what he's talking about. Lord, save me. Set me free. Lord, help us to drop our nets our fears, our failures, our past. Lord, help us not to be casual in our Christianity, Lord, but to be bold, to be witnesses for you and for your kingdom. We will take every opportunity that you give us to advance the gospel. Lord Jesus, thank you for your saving grace, for your love, and your forgiveness. We ask these things, you're powerful, you're precious, and your holy name. Amen. I'm going to ask if you would stand at this time. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Maybe you'd like to come join this church. We'd love to have you. But you come this morning 
as the Lord leads. Would you please come? Now that the summer's over, we're going to be going back to the 815 service. We're going to be going back to 815. We've been kind of rushing to get you guys to Sunday school, so we're going to move it back to 815 starting next week. So if you get here a little late, don't worry about it, I promise, okay? But uh, we were trying to get folks to Sunday school. They felt rushed, and so we wanted to make sure that we had enough child care, enough people ready for that. So starting on our new school year, our new church year, we'll be start this service back at 815 next week. Hey, continue to pray for our church. A lot of things happening. I'm going to let Brother Caleb come share some announcements. Uh, the, the biggest one uh, this Saturday uh, is our Twin City Days that we'll be hosting here on our parking lot. Uh, we still need a lot of help, especially from 11 a.m. onward um, through the afternoon. Uh, so if you haven't signed up uh, and are still considering it, please go check out the bulletin board and find a place where you can serve um, and, and, and sign up there. That way we have, know everything's covered before we get there. Um, next Sunday we start our... Uh, evening Bible study, as well as there's a, a Sunday school Bible study that will be starting called Foundations. Um, we did it uh, last year around this time, and so we're going to be kicking off another round of that and just foundations of what we believe as followers of Jesus. So it um, doesn't matter if you've been in church or a follower of Jesus your entire life. It's still good to remind ourselves what are the foundations um, that we believe. Uh, there's a lot of other really good things. Awana's right around the corner. Um, there's a leader meeting for that this Wednesday. Uh, just read through your bulletin, and you'll find all the information there. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for who you are and what you have done in our lives. God, we, we pray that you would just continue to work in us so that, and work through us so that way the people around us uh, know that we are followers of Jesus and ultimately know uh, the gospel. God, we pray that you would just allow us to be vulnerable and have good discussions in our small groups and Sunday school classes, Lord. We pray that you would just be glorified in us this morning, that you would receive all the glory and the praise. We love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. You are dismissed.
Thank you for joining us today for another in-depth message into God's Word. May God richly bless you, and we invite you to join us in person for worship at 815 or 1045 every Sunday morning. We are located at 107 North Truman Boulevard in Crystal City, Missouri.